Welcome to the Professional Insight Podcast, episode, season five, episode we don't know. Um, my name's Brandon Curry. Oh, thanks, rookie. Episode 11. Um, my name's Brandon Curry. Where is everybody else? Oh, there they are. Oh, come on I'm Jeff Josh Bond. I'm Trevor Lindy. We do have a great guest today. Uh, he's just in the green room right now, waiting patiently. Uh, back. All right. Frank DiPietro, rookie, bring him in. There he is. What's going on, Frankie? Hi, everyone. Hey, Frank. Good morning. Good to see you all. Thanks Good very morning. much for joining us. Well, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not, not quite. Yeah. Not quite. Oh, that's six minutes. Oh, we got six minutes. Off, Jeff. That's to go. Uh, we're we're off for people that I've um, last night we had a ch- that us were at um, of uh, two um, um, players, players, right? I mean, it was uh, in the in the real estate industry. Sally Magar and Margie Spence, uh, Magar Realty. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. It was awesome. Flowing, eh, Jeff? Glad you guys all. Look at look at Jeff. He's hungover. Oh, I slept in good. I got at it last night, but I, I slept in. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. You you uh you tore it up real good last night. I used all our tickets up and then some. (laughs) Certainly did. Yeah, you didn't drink one of your tickets there, Lindy. I did. I a couple. No, I don't. I don't think you even had a beer. Okay, fair enough. Think what you want. Just like your whole other crap. What other crap? I'm not going to say because of the whole comments and the thing you keep reposting in our group chat. Just pertaining to hockey. Oh, oh nope. right. Once again, Once again know. he knows. <laughs> Closet Leaf fan. That um, hard he is, for sure. So, so the reason why we got Frank wait, on one more uh, comment. is he is... All right. What's the comment? <laughs> Jeff, what do you say? Do you, do you remember that you forgot that you talked to me earlier in the night? About what? <laughs> no, you just forgot that we had had an exchange. I haven't seen you all night. I said, yeah, we talked earlier in the night. <laughs> you didn't remember. It's one of those. Yeah, he was he was split pretty good. Split pretty good. I got I got I had a good time last night. Let's just say that. <laughs> Work hard, play hard, boys. So work hard, play hard. Absolutely. The topic, the, the, the topic of this, uh, the topic of this episode specifically came from one of our viewers, uh, who constantly watches the show and um, comes on, and and uh, we we um, we threw the chat uh, on on here on restream here. Um, that she has, um, and um, we were. Uh, hello, Leanne. How are you? Uh, and uh, she was she had no idea about us, uh, and other come with the discredit. So, honest, uh, we covered that because that's a um, uh, topic, and, and it, it's extremely impactful. Um, so, I decided to bring uh, Frank on from McKenzie Investments, who. We, as a firm, our firm, 
uh, use McKenzie. Uh, and just full disclosure, not a lot of companies take on RDSPs. That's the Registered Disability Savings Plan that you can only get if you have a disability tax credit. Hi, Stone Sea Witch. Hello. Um, and uh, we were, and she had no idea. So I want to touch on that. Hank, if uh, you want to come on and briefly introduce yourself and Bet McKenzie and, and McKenzie's role on how they do RDSPs and, and um, with a couple of key cases uh, for a couple of clients of mine. Sure. So Thanks, Brandon. Thanks. Yep. Uh, here I am. Um, thanks so much for having me. Uh, what a great topic. Um, so many Canadians affected by disability, you know, statistics show, uh, those over age 15, one in five Canadians are dealing with someone with a disability. Um, and you know, um, I'm part of the tax and estate group at McKenzie investments and back in 2008, when the government officially launched the RDSP, uh, we made a pretty bold decision at the time um, to really uh, uh, sort of wrap our arms around the RDSP and really make this available to Canadians. Uh, no one else was really doing it like us. Um, so anyway, here we are many years later. Uh, we're one of the top independent wealth managers in Canada offering RDSPs to those with disabilities or, or family members family who are looking after someone with a disability. Uh, we manage over a billion dollars in Canadians' money, uh, representing well over 50,000 uh, accounts. So, and more work to do. Like you say, there's still um, an education gap. A lot of Canadians who still aren't aware of how to fully leverage, um, leverage the RDSP. So we're really proud of <clears throat> where we've come from and where we are today. And we continue uh, in my role to work with financial advisors across Canada, like yourself and the group here, um, really bringing the RDSP to the market. Um, and, and not only the product, but the knowledge as well. Um, these aren't simple plants to understand. There's a lot of rules and the government's always refining the, the, the rules and making changes. So part of our role is to stay on top of those changes. We sit in the federal budget every year in lockdown, uh, getting all the tax changes. And that's generally where we see changes to our DSPs. And we're, we're bringing that to the financial advisor market so that Canadians can leverage these things to the fullest extent possible. Governments really set aside a lot of money uh, to help Canadians with disabilities uh, save for their financial future. And that's really, at the end of the day, uh, what we're trying to do uh, in, in our tax and state group and as part of, of what McKenzie does overall. No, and, and you got such a great, um, uh, let me see, I believe we had uh, McKenzie Invest is correct. Yes, that is correct, Leanne, you can. Um, the, McKenzie just didn't just, they're, they are a massive fund company. Um, however, uh, one of the, one of the many fun companies that our firm deal with, however, when it comes to our DSPs, um, we solely deal with McKenzie because they do do it so well. Um, and you have an entire division. You're, I think the only fun company that I love higher division, unlike that, right? That that's all you do is our DSP. And 
and um and it's very a little bit serendipitous this morning um a lady that you know uh actually a couple of us on here know um client of mine uh she's 63 uh she is uh uh me permission to mention her nicely but uh she has bipolar one um so she in in a high functioning for 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 being formerly known as antidepressant um and she just got she's qualified for the disability tax credit so and i was pushing her and pushing her i'm like you're gonna qualify you're gonna qualify you have to qualify she's like i've been turned down i'm like yeah but you were turned down like 15 years ago and the definitions for the disability tax credit have extremely been more than been expanded um so that was such a great phone call to get this morning at 10 o'clock in the morning that literally this is very well potentially uh can yeah. change your life because it was back at 18. nice and frank nice. you want to take people yeah so frank tell people on how how um they but can what if, also I know, go ahead i know what an rdsp yeah. is i know what it so is, but that's like such a story oh go ahead go sorry, ahead frank. i must be glitching out yeah Yeah, so just on that uh, note, yeah, uh, on that note, Brent, I mean, that's such a great story. Um, so I guess just for the, the audience, uh, just an important, important reminder that in order to set up an RDSP, one of the criteria you require, eligible for the federal disability tax credit, um, which is a non-refundable tax credit that you claim on your tax. And Brandon, as you're alluding to, this is something that if you have a disability, you, you need to have your uh, medical professional, doctor, nurse practitioner, complete a government form um, and submit it to Revenue Canada, and they will approve or, or disapprove that form. If they approve it, great. You can claim this disability tax credit in your tax return. Uh, great tax savings. But what it does is open up the doors to other things like being able to your own registered disability savings plan so it's really really important what i generally tell people and i'm glad you are persistent brandon on this with this individual is you know you go through if you go through the process and you're denied right don't end there right and in fact before we even submit the form to revenue canada read it right read the form what did the doctor how did the doctor fill out the form? Because we've spoken to parents uh, of children with disabilities who they know their, their, their children's disability better than the doctors do sometimes. And so if you don't agree with the doctor's assessment, child's disability, then talk to that doctor or get another opinion or go, um, go see a different doctor fill it out who maybe can better articulate what the disability is because from revenue canada's perspective um they're going to accept or deny based on what the doctor says the disability is right and to your point you know things change over the years uh disabilities could progress or they could get better um, and so in if if in one year you're denied but perhaps the condition changes um then then reapply right so it's important that 
you know, we are our own self-advocates here and push where we feel we are entitled uh, to something that's not being given to us. Yeah, you're, you're spot on with that. I mean, you need to understand, people need to understand. So we're going to, we're going to tackle a couple of things here. We're going to first tackle, because I know Bondo, you had a question about the RDSP, but, and, and we'll, we'll definitely get, let you ask that question to Frank. Um, because we have ovens here too. Um, the, uh, what we've got basically is the disability tax credit application. So answer those. Joe V. Fall, was he a goalie? Different Frank Di Pietro. Um, uh, were you That's a goalie? I, I mean, Rick. I know I'm not Rick Di Pietro. Yeah. yeah. I wish I, I, wish I yeah, got yeah, yeah. contract. He's still getting paid. And that's right? Yeah. I know. It's crazy Big what he signed with us for. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, now, then she asked about <laughs> drugs. Um, so, basically, if the disability tax, I think what I think I know what she means by that um it is not whether or not you're in you have a job or you don't have a job it has income it has nothing to do with you being physically impaired you can't work it is do you have a disability that otherwise if it wasn't for medication otherwise if it in any capacity you would not you would be incapacitated right so Let's use my my, my client's manic depressant. She has manic depression, right? Um, therefore, she kept getting denied about fifteen years ago. But things have been brought uh, have been broadened. They've changed, and it got back to twenty eighteen, which file all of her taxes as if she's had disability tax credit since twenty eighteen. She'll be right. Um, you're right, Frank, you need to be persistent on this type of stuff because doctors sometimes look at it from a medical perspective. Is this person physically disabled? Well, that's not what CRA is asking. So Frank, you want to expand on that, that, that's like, uh, you know, idiosyncrasy that between the two professions. So do you want me to go into more of like a, a technical discussion of how to qualify for the next credit? Would that be helpful? No, just if you, yeah, that would be helpful. Yeah. Like basically talk about why is there, you, 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 you promoted something along the lines of, um, uh, uh, for example, your own advocate, right? And like, I've had children with ADHD, ADD, Type one is insulin dependent. Um, all qualify for the disability tax credit. They're mm -hmm. fine. They hold jobs. They're totally cool. But they actually have mm -hmm. a dis disability. So you want to talk about that, sure. Frank? Yeah, sure. I mean, those are those are good examples of of more recent changes to how Revenue Canada um, deals with those types of disabilities. Uh, there's a lot more recognition around mental illness, mental uh, infirmities and disabilities. And so many of those types of illnesses and disabilities um, that may not have been approved even five years ago, um, Revenue Canada is more accepting of today. There was even a change, an 
history of change a few years ago around uh, type 1 uh, diabetes. So you, you highlighted that example as well, which is one that now Revenue Canada uh, approves those with type 1 diabetes to be eligible for the disability tax credit. Uh, there still needs to be some underlying funding that the government looks for when issuing the disability tax credit. So, and this sometimes gets a little bit technical, and I apologize, I don't want to be uh, too technical in any sense, but I, but I think it's important to understand sort of where they're coming from, right? Because disabilities, for example, um, you know, for ODSP purposes, right? The way they define a disability is different than how Revenue Canada defines it for tax purposes. Or similarly, if you're entitled to the Canada Pension Plan disability benefit, you know, CPP treats disability different than, say, again, Revenue Canada. So the question is, you know, how does Revenue Canada define a disability for purposes of the So what, you know, a couple things. First off, um, you know, they basically say that an individual um, with an impairment uh, must either have that impairment be prolonged, meaning that it's it lasts or it's expected to last for at least a 12-month period, and that it's uh, present about 90% of the time, right? So disability is there. Um, it's, you've had it for at least 12 months, and it's prevalent most of the time, or what they call substantially all of the time, which they define as 90%. So that's the general sort of rule. And if you think to yourself, okay, well, you know, you think about your own personal situation, perhaps, or your, or your child's, are so good, I, I qualify. Then a little bit deeper to look at the specific ability. And um, Revenue Canada is at whether or not the disability markedly restricts your ability to perform at least one basic activity of daily living, right? What's a basic activity of daily living? Well, essentially, you know it, uh, feeding yourself, walking here, uh, and as well as a variety of, of mental functions as well, right? So what? So you need to be markedly restricted <laughs> from one activity of daily, list, uh, daily living. Okay, now uh, you have to say, okay, well, what does that mean? What does markedly restricted mean? Um, and again, here can, I'm sort of paraphrasing what they say because this is we as tax people uh, need to kind of go with. And what they say is, is a person is markedly restricted if they are able to, or, or it takes an inordinate amount of time one or more of those basic activity daily uh, basic activity living even with therapy or other assistance and again that this must be present uh, substantially all the time which again as I mentioned percent so it takes an in so to be markedly restricted it needs to take an inordinate amount of time well, what does that mean right like what does it mean that if you know if you have trouble walking what does it mean to walk in an ornament amount of time? Uh, and again, this is where the doctors need to be more involved and it becomes a bit of a clinical judgment. But what they look for is for the medical practitioner to, to observe uh, 
any recognizable differences in the time it takes that individual to perform that activity. And if it takes that individual at three times the average, um, the average person to perform that same function, same age, then they consider it to be markedly restricted, right? So there's this very specific test and it becomes a doctor's judgment as to whether or not you meet that test. Now, that's a pretty severe measure. And, and to your, and, and that's, you know, those that are um, truly limited in perhaps their function and mobility, uh, maybe are not able to, um, to hold down a job as an example. But to your point, Brandon, there are others who are, are you know, can, can hold a job function and still qualify. And that's because Revenue Canada has a different set of rules that say, look, if you're not markedly restricted, you can still be eligible for the disability tax credit if you are what they consider to be significantly restricted. Uh, so, you know, a little bit of a more lenient definition than markedly restricted, just significantly restricted. In this case, you'd have to have at least one um, uh, one basic activity of daily living that you're that they're struggling with, right? So there needs to be more than case. Or uh, life-sustaining therapy or you're blind, right? In those cases, that's sort of the criteria that Revenue Canada set out for um, for qualifying for the disability tax credit. Sorry, it's a bit of a long-winded definition, but I think it's important to highlight that really what it comes down to is that doctor's assessment of your function. Um, and so when yes. they... Uh, when they complete those forms, you know, again, as a parent, read it. And do you agree with the doctor's assessment? Because it's ultimately going to determine whether or not you're uh, denied that claim or, or accepted. No, and thanks very much for that. I mean, like, it, it, it is very confusing. And you can understand why. I, I mean, like, um, uh, one of our uh, our watchers right now um who which which by the way i need to i need to acknowledge only because we've got um uh leanne made a, made a great comment um you know um our thoughts and our and and, and prayers are, are going out to the people down down east um you know i've got a family uh, down in nova scope and also uh, in newfoundland labrador um my one side of the, my maternal side of the family is all from nova scotia so uh thoughts and prayers with the the hurricane heading your way so i want to make that a, a address first and foremost because that's pr pretty damn scary uh, but then uh stone sea which basically said wouldn't it make sense to have the same across uh great question and we're dealing with the, oh there's your answer nothing is simple and straight line when, when dealing with government agencies um, it is the most frustrating thing. Um, and, you know, my heart goes out to, to people with disabilities because they're already markedly, you know, at a disadvantage. Um, um, and off down there. I know you guys are. You guys, are, yeah. You guys, will, you guys will be fine, but, you know, we're thinking about guys. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, it, your heart goes out to these people who are not going to qualify or I'm not disabled or I'm not this. And it's just like, this is a tax situation. This is not whether or not you can't work. Um, 
And then now That's to right. lead into something else, which is the RDSP, the Disability Savings Plan, which can only get if, if you have the ability tax credit. So Bondo, you had a question for Frank regarding the RDSP. Yeah, and I, I am coming through okay. I'm a little glitchy. My technology is still can attest to it, so I apologize. Um, I, yeah, I, I, just conceptually on our audience to understand, uh, we've got the one earmark that helps you for the retirement, but what, what is it, and, and and what's the contribution or or or, or kind of tax savings that um, disabled individual will be entitled to. Okay, yeah. So sorry, I was broke up a little bit there. I, I, my understanding is you just kind of under want to understand sort of why someone would set up an RDSP and you know what and what kind of tax savings. Uh, would they achieve from it? Is that how what I'm understanding here? Yes, that's pretty much that's pretty much what yeah. That's what yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if there's a percentage or a cap. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, let's touch on some of these uh, kind of criteria. As I mentioned, um, you know, uh, there are lots of rules, right? And, and <laughs> limits and caps and grants and bonds. Um, so. At the outset, what, what you want to think is, um, you know, it, people may be more familiar with the Registered Education Savings Plan, right? The RESP, where, you know, a parent can contribute to this account um, and it's designed to for education savings and the government will match uh, those contributions and put a little bit of money away for the children's education as a way for as a way for uh, you know the government to support parents helping kids save for post-secondary. And so the RDSP was sort of modeled after that RESP platform in the sense that, you know, one, it's a registered plan. So what that means is it's registered with the government. Um, and just like your RRSP, any money that's in the plan, as, as long as it stays in there and is earning income and investment earnings, the government won't sit for as long as it remains um, inside the uh, RDSP. All right, so it's a tax deferred vehicle, is what we generally refer to them as. And like an RESP, any contributions that go in are not tax deductible. So a parent putting money in for their child's RDSP is not going to give them any sort of tax deduction per se. Um, so it's after tax money that goes in. Um, but the investment earnings are, are tax deferred. Um, kicker to all this is the government matching that's available. The money that the government will set aside uh, and contribute to that child's RDSP relative to an RESP. You know, we saw a comment there from Leanne. We did RESP contributions. It kind of helped. Well, it kind of helped because the matching is okay. Right, but but with RDSPs, the matching is is incredible in my view. Um, so the matching, there's there's two different incentives that the government will will support those with RDSPs. 
One is called the Canada Disability Savings Grant, right? And, and the other is the Canada Savings Bond. So the grant itself, it's up to $70,000 over the course of the beneficiary's life, right? Uh, and, and payable to the account up until the end of the year in which they turn 49, right? So for young children, you've got lots of time to kind of make annual contributions um, to these plans. And, that, and that's based on, um, you know, contributions that go in. And it's also based on, on income. Right, so different matching for different income levels, and then there's the bond because we hear from a lot of a lot of uh, parents, struggling parents in particular, that you know what, it's great we can open up an RDSP, but we can't afford to make any contributions, and we still say you know particularly for low income Canadians, it still makes sense to open it up. Why is because there's an additional bond that the government will pay that is not based on contributions. It's solely based on income alone. So if you meet certain income threshold, I think for 2022, it's about family income of $50,000. So if you're under that threshold, you can receive up to $1,000 per year or up to $20,000 uh, for the lifetime of, of the beneficiary. So uh, we have up to $90,000 in government grants that, um, that can go into the RDSP. And you know, to to Brandon's point earlier around those who are getting uh, DTC eligible today, but be, are being retroactively eligible, say Brandon's client who goes back to 2018, you can with an RDSP retroactively in in Brandon's case there go back to 2018 and start to collect some of the grants and bonds that they may have been entitled to from 2018 on. So very quickly, we see these accounts um, that start off very nominal, but with regular contributions, grants, and perhaps some bonds, as well as the market performance. I know this year has been a little bit tough, but over the long term, <laughs> uh, performance, you know, these accounts grow uh, quite substantial. Um, uh, and really provide a, a, a secure pool of money uh, designed for the retirement of those um, with abilities. A fabulous explanation. Thank you. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's extremely, extremely, it's, a, it's extremely powerful. Uh, um, the other good thing about it is the, well the retroactive and, and company like McKenzie what what they do on the back end what you don't see because they take your sin number it's all based, the matching is all based on income so if net income is under around ninety thousand dollars a year you can get a three hundred percent matching which is insane um so I've had in many cases my clients contribute thirty contributions and get 10,500, the maximum uh, grant money government will give out in one year. So you've, you've contributed 35, the government contributes 10,500. Holy crap, that's a 100% return on your yeah. money. It's amazing. That's insane. And then they keep- That's they keep right, that's, where, so that's why I- go, That's right. How retroactive? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's why I that ten, they go back 
back as far as 10 years or to the date of disability, right? So uh, as far back as 10 years. So on top of that, what they'll do is um, apply all the highest matching grants first, right? So they kind of help first, you yeah. maximize your RDSP as quickly as possible. So just very, very quickly on that, you, you know, Brandon said uh, a 300% matching. So your RESP, you contribute, you know, uh, a few, um, and the government will match 20% up to a $500 per year maximum um, uh, per year and up to a thousand in any one year or something like that. With with an RDSP, to Brandon's point, for 2022, if your income, family net income is under a hundred thousand, the first five hundred dollars contributed attracts a three hundred percent match from the government. Three hundred percent. You put five hundred, government puts in fifteen hundred, and then uh, a two hundred percent matching on the remaining. Um, on the remaining 1500 right? So um, just incredible matching rates. And then if you're, even if your family income is higher than the 100,000, it's a one-to-one -one matching. So put in a thousand bucks, you get a thousand bucks. So not as generous, but still pretty good. And, and um, so those are kind of a little bit on the, uh, those are, it's a little bit on the, on the annual grants. Now you can have this ability to go back up to 10 years and collect retroactive grants. And that's where the government says, well, we'll allow you to go back, but the most we'll pay you or the most in grants you can collect uh, in any one year is $10,500, right? So, you know, it gets a little bit tricky because you want to figure out, well, okay, how many need to contribute this year to get that 10-5? That's where you work with a financial advisor. That's where you work with you guys. That's where your value comes and you work with the clients to help determine, okay, well, it makes best sense here. How much do we need to contribute to get that max grant? Um, and in some cases, for those who are, you know, um, eligible for 10 years of retroactive grant, you know, contribution date, a few thousand bucks a year, you get 10-5 and you do this for a few years, right? After four or five years. You know, we've seen cases where where if the family has contributed over the course of five years, say you know anywhere around fifteen to twenty thousand, but now you got a now you got an account that's you know closing in on a hundred thousand with grants and bonds and you know performance and everything else. So these things can accumulate quite quickly, um, and, and it's all because of the power of the grants and bonds that you might be eligible for. Oh, and that's great. We have a couple questions coming in, um, which is great. So we'll just, I'll just quickly just get everyone up to speed. Leanne was saying she was in a car accident in 2015. Sorry to hear that. Um, two C-spine surgeries. Um, and so, holy smokes, do we have this for adults? Yes, Leanne, the RDSP is not, is, 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 you could have the RDSP for your entire life. That That's totally fine. But grants and bonds will only go until December 31st in the year you turn 49. And there is a criteria that you need to follow is they follow like the LIFO rule, which is last in, first out. There is a clawback. We're not going to go into that here because uh, I'll loop. Well, Frank and I will lose you calculations that the government uses to figure out what the clawback is. But 
if you take grant money applied at the age of 49 and you take it out at age 55 yes yeah, so, so so liam you can have an rds but um you you would um frank can if she has a disabled if, if someone has a dis disability and they're just finding out this for for the first time can they retroactively go back even though she's 50 now did he freeze Oh, it almost looks like at one point frozen. the eyes were rolled back in his head. He glitched there a bit. Yeah. Oh, there we go. I don't know if it's me or you. Coming. Oh, his. You're coming in. Yeah, coming in a bit glitchy. Oh. Well, anyways, uh, I I'll, I'll find out that answer. I I, but I know you can only contribute to get um and and get contributions. But if you're only about this now, I guess. The question is, actively go back ten years in in, in, in hypothetical. Can you can can it can it, can that know that I don't know I don't know that answer. Oh, Frank, no. Like oh, we well, can have it, so you, oh, there you are. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> So okay, well let's keep going. Now there's, we'll just get uh, Chris. No, it's it's glitchy for whatever reason. All right, yeah, back in. There we go. All right, we'll keep this going. So uh, we'll find out when he gets a better connection. We'll we'll right back on. So Brand, can, uh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. So, so my mom say right now is she, she's been disabled since bipolar, I believe, early 40s. She now contribute money and, and from between the ages of 40 and 49, say. So the, the, we we got to find out when Frank comes back in. Oh, there he is. Hey, bud, how are you? Can you hear us okay? Oh, oh, there he goes. It's gone. <laughs> oh, this, is what, this, is what this is what happens when you do it live, right? I mean, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, shit we, happens. We don't we don't know what can happen. Uh, I have to ask him that question. I believe because we've always been told that it's a hard fast rule, but if you didn't quite like, for example, my client who she's 63. So opening up an RDSP for her right now is just pointless. As Frank tells me, I mean, be only because her only go back to 2018. Right? And so she was still over the age of, of, of 49 at that. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but if, if someone had a dis disability and they said, no, 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 she's had this since 2002. That would then make her, you know, 43. Um, what, you know, could we open up an RDSP and and take advantage of, let's say, maybe 10 years worth of returns to get some grant money? I don't know that answer. Um, that's actually a really good question. But the other, there's another piece to this. All disability tax, you can open up something like a Henson Trust. Now, a lot of people here 
are are wondering why what's the big deal well if we're talking in the province of ontario basically you can qualify for odsp or on the ontario disability benefits right right the ontario every province has some you know of of similar people that have the disability tax credit the problem with it is though upon the death of the parents or grandparents it doesn't really matter and if they leave anything to the child on their will and that child gets any gets assets what ends up happening is they can get kicked off of disability benefits which could severely impact that child so what happens is is you have something called the henson trust uh it's a great story actually it's an amazing story uh and it was a a gentleman by the name of, of mr henson uh who had a severe disability who who did not have did ha did not have the cognitive ability to to um to function or to or to manage assets. and so what ended up happening was is he left thing in his will and he left it in a trust but the the deal of the trust was that the trustee um who manages the trust after he died would have full discretion control over the ass held within that trust the daughter would be the beneficiary so very similar to higher life growing up the dad owned everything the dad made the decisions the dad made the, he spent all the money he owned all the assets she did not have the ability to do that. So that was his argument. So he passed away. He's always the, 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 the house and all the all the assets. And, and and then the government turns around and basically says, you're kicked off of this. So the trustee, knowing that this was probably going to happen, takes the Ontario government to court and takes them up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court turns around and goes, Ontario, there's a difference between full discretion trust and parent who has full discretion over the assets of, of, the, of the said assets that are going into the trust. Um, and therefore, if she wasn't kicked off of benefits before, then she can't be kicked off of benefits now because the trustee is the one that, that that does that actually has the problem right like that that makes all the decisions on what happens with with the uh uh with the assets frank are you back now no i don't think so back. maybe not <laughs> so sorry, no, there you are no problem so uh yeah yeah you want to talk about we we're, we're just talking about the henson trust just now um and about it so we were just chatting about the, the story about the Henson Trust and why it's important. And then also on top of that, um, there's about the RDSP also would not, any assets in the RDSP would not kick a child off of provincial benefits. Am I correct? Frank? Yeah, he's he's deep in thought. Yeah, he's deep, well. Oh, he's, no, I can I can hear you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Try the uh, uh, hear us though, uh, Frank. 
This is the the glitch episode. Yeah, this is definitely yeah. This is going. Uh, you know what? The internet out here is just crap. Basically, it. So, so <laughs> the R any any in an RDSP um, or bank um, has a bad connection, guys. Okay, good. So we're fine. Um, so basically, anything out of the RDSP does would not kick a child off of provincial benefits, and anything inside a Henson would not kick the child off of provincial benefits. So it's something that is it needs um, you need to be very aware. And you need to really talk to a lawyer, um, Bondo, uh, about setting up a will with the paragraph. This is essentially what it is. Uh, Constructing the assets, yeah, the clause that instructs the asset to be assets to be directed to a Henson Trust. And then Bondo, you want to you want to talk about that? Yeah. No. I mean, it, it's quite simple. What you're you're doing is, is you're circumventing that disabled individual being kicked off, off ODSP or the potential for them DSP because what you're going to take from those trust funds supplements what the, the person needs to survive essentially, right? So they're not this big asset. They are but they don't have access to it. He controls it. So it doesn't really become their money. It only trickles out to them. Okay. So, yeah. At least you, you lo- we lost Did that. that. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it's to supplement the disabled person right that's the whole whole purpose they have their, their stream of income and now these assets are, are are really simply to continue to substyle the way they're accustomed to living right right so no, the, and then that's the limit on how much they, they they can tie into those funds without being cut off a lot of times right yeah so this is the big so, i mean jeff do you have any questions about, about this particular um no okay yeah you're really good good content there bud this is good this is good. <laughs> what do you want me to do um, no, no i mean any, any have you got any questions you're all good frank yeah no everything's uh either being asked or already answered before it can be asked Okay. And Frank, are you back? Or maybe try no band, maybe try no uh, video? All right. Well, I don't know. Well, I can't wait. We'll try We'll try this again. We'll, we'll have them again. I don't know what's... Uh... Yeah. You might have dial-up there or something. I don't know what's going on. He's a Catherine, so I mean, like, he's got he's got established internet. So I, uh, yeah, but it, it could be a number of things, right? It on. could be if he's um, if there's too many people on his network right now. It could be right. you know potentially the computer restarting priorities 
given to, to network connections, so many variables. Right. Stars Dude, just aren't aligned. Like, uh, like the Bondo tech issue this morning. Yeah. Good thing we only live two minutes apart, eh, Bondo? Yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> so is there any questions that anyone else has? I think we nailed all the questions here. Ba, 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 ba. It's very important, though, for disabled, particularly that are struggling in this respect, to take advantage of these things. Not take advantage, just, just get their in place. I mean, utilize. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is people just need to be informed about it because they don't know that exists, right? That's the biggest thing. Because I mean, realistically, yeah. my, my mom doesn't have an RDSP. Right. Well, and, and how old's your mom? Should have known about it. Now it looks like Frank's got it working, right? Yeah. There we go. Frank, there we go. Uh, you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. No problem. Okay. Well, I'm on my iPad now, so I get her out the window. <laughs> and, uh, I'm on my wireless connection. I don't get. It. I was hardwired from the computer. Uh, I, I'm not sure. So your your computer's hanging out with mine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, okay, so Frank, so was, do you want to touch on? I was, I was in and out, was in and out there, listening in on the hands and trust. I could hear you guys. You just couldn't hear me. So yeah, did you want? Okay. Did you want me to comment around the hands uh, and trust? Well, initially, address, let's or? comment on. Yeah, let let me talk the, the piece where um, it, it's we had a question, which was if somebody, let's say, fifty years. old, or Josh's mom, for example, or my client who's 63, and let's assume the disability tax credit um, can go back to 2002, right? Okay. And at that time, she was initially denied. Um, make her, um, if she's 63, 20 years ago, that'd make her 43. So she would have tech qualified for an RDSP during that time or contributions. Can someone mm -hmm. retroactively go back that far and, and take advantage of grant money that uh, they didn't get a chance to take advantage of? Yeah, unfortunately, we can only go back as as, as many as 10 years or to date of bigger than 10 years, right? So that's kind of as far back, back as we can go. And, and you know, we are, are uh, how many years? We're, we're 14 years into the, you know, even those who've had disabilities from 2008 when for RDSPs were first introduced, go back, back more than 10 years and collect those grants, even though we, you may have been entitled to say 2008, right? But unfortunately, that's that's the importance of, of trying to get them set up um, as early as possible and then doing the best you can and we'll sort of figure out how to collect retroactively as much as possible. So can we, so if someone who's 50 today and let's say, yeah. you know, um, they apply. 
and they and it goes back 10 years let's say oh, can oh, even you. though they're 50 yeah. can, can they right because they're over the, they're past the age of 49 can they take yes and just some vote that's something that's misunderstood in this fear that you know you, you mentioned it brandon that you know the grants are available up until the end of the year in which you turn in. um when you turn 50 obviously you're no longer eligible in your 50th year but unfortunately you're not able to collect any grants for any year prior to the 50th year right so they won't pay any grants for age 50 on do so you kind of lose that access to the last 10 years, to as many years as you were entitled to it be prior to age 49 so critically important uh, especially for those who are 49 this year and eligible to get to, to, to maximize what you can because come Jan 1, uh, uh, you're not, not eligible for anything. Okay, then um, you have to have an R, RDSP set up the, in order to qualify for any grant or, or, or uh, mm-hmm. okay, point. Yeah. Um, and do you want to touch on the the? I mean, you heard me talk about the Henson Trust um, and mm-hmm. and everything. Uh, was there anything that I I missed or I could have left out or anything of that nature? Yeah, I caught bits and pieces, and I heard the story. It was great. So it's important to note that it was an Ontario case, um, and so this, this um, you know tried to and true here in Ontario. So we know that an Ontario is a valid trust for purposes of helping us keep their ODSP benefits. So, um, you know, the Hanson Trust, what what is it really? All it, all, all it does is give, which is the person who's responsible for managing the trust money, uh, Full and unfettered discretion over the assets of the trust. And is that that child with the disability? And then I heard, I think it was Josh, you mentioned it, that that the child does have no access, no right to access any of the income, uh, um, and that it has to be at the absolute full of the trustee. And as long as that language is placed in the trust. Um, then you have an Hanson trust that could help protect, uh, um, help protect the ODSP benefits for the kids, or for the recipient of the ODSP. So it's the assets, right? It's the it's the Hanson trust assets. So a parent may, you know, look at it. If they leave it to them directly, it might hurt the kids DSP right because there's asset and income tests to to that need to be met any assets of the rd sorry any assets of the Henson trust as well as the rdsp rdsp purposes so it's a way to leave wealth to kids on eight uh, without affecting their odsp benefits and because uh, I, I, I get this question a lot um, so one of the, so the income test test 
is uh, is about is, is ten thousand dollars a year. So as the trustee that the that the person with the disability doesn't exceed the ten thousand dollar annual limit, otherwise their ODSP benefits start to be clawed back. So what you distribute out of the trust uh, will uh, to them. Um, and it's important to note because I'm asked, you know, is is it, is it just the income earned in the trust that affects ODSP? What if you pay out capital? And it's important to note that, is that any payments, any payments out of the trust go towards that limit. So it's any distributions that the trustee makes out of the Henson Trust to the, that, that will, will go towards that $10,000 annual ODSP income test limit in mind. Um, the other is, and I'm not sure if you mentioned it, Brandon, that these are trusts during during your life, um, or could be set up as, as part of an estate plan of the will and become effective on the parent's death. So, uh, some flexibility around how you would create the trust. No, I appreciate that. And so, a limited is a key piece, right? Um, that's something that you need to be very aware of because that can significantly impact the um, uh, ability, right, to to stay on provincial benefits. Uh, and we yeah. need to remind people that every jurisdiction is different, right? So every provincial jurisdiction will have different rules. So you need to understand, you need to deal with provincial to understand what those specific rules are and how to navigate them. Um, because when we talk about, uh, we, we talk about Ontario specifically because we see these cases all the time. But like, you know, Newfoundland Labrador would have a, a very, very much a, a different variation uh, to their provincial benefits. Same with, uh, you know, Nova Scotia, BC, uh, you know, all the all the provinces that I'm licensed in. And so I know that they completely can change. Um, so the other thing that I see quite happen quite a lot is families with um disabilities uh with children with disabilities um do get taken advantage quite a bit especially our attorney uh, uh piece I've, I've heard families in in ontario um be charged something like two three dollars to henson clock in their will um that is completely highway robbery. That should not be the case. As one lawyer who we refer you know, a, a good chunk of business to me and said, uh, he's like, Brandon, he goes, listen, it's, um, it's one paragraph in a will. He goes, why would I be charging $1,500, $2,000 for that to happen? He goes, it's a copy and paste, right? And so people Need to understand that that's the case and i've i've you know it, it does hurt it, it you know breaks my heart when i hear people get taken advantage of and, and fleece because they they make it sound like it's this complicated convoluted uh, uh piece in a will and it's not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you want to yeah. yeah talk about that absolutely. Brent? yeah absolutely i think um you know definitely when we're when we're talking about creating a trust in us or a different type of Trust uh, generally, they they tend to just be uh, included. It's an, you know when when you create a trust in a will, you're not creating a separate document. It's all language, um, and so to your point, a Henson trust 
again, all we're giving the trustee uh, absolute and unfettered discretion. And those words tip are in, built in, in the trust document, which in what we're talking about is in a will. It, it might be a bit more costly is if you create a, um, and you create an inter vivos trust and you wanted to Henson trust. Yeah. It's, it's not just about putting a paragraph into it already. Now you're actually creating a brand new trust deed, a trust document. Uh, I think, you know, still 15, $2,000 is still probably too much. Maybe, uh, the clients may begin taking advantage of, but, um, but it's a little bit hands and trust that you would include in a will. I would say it's a small bump on the cost of drafting a, a will, right? It's a small bump to the hands an issue. Sure. Yeah. And Bondo, I yeah, was just saying there's a couple cool. of uh, lawyers that, yeah, the, the, the a couple of lawyers that, I mean, I don't know them, but that were, you know, Highway robbery. These 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 clients of mine, couple clients, two three thousand yeah. dollars to will done with the heads yeah. of trust. Yeah, it's just yeah. that's you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, is, but you, you you you, you got to understand the situations for full full unfettered uh, comments, right? Because if it was there was a corporate will, right there 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 could be an instance where the whole package kind of gets up to two grand. But I, I would definitely not say just a draft, uh, a simple will with a Hanson. Yeah, no, this was definitely this a. a sudden, story, by the way. Yeah, this yeah, this, this was a this was a a will uh, a mirrored will is what it was. So yeah. it was very simple. So unfortunately. Yeah, these are um, yeah. Anyway, I think the Henson Trust in general, such with with the disabilities and. I mean, um, look, like we've been talking, we've talked about um, uh, Henson Trust. So these are these are really important that really didn't exist 10, 15 years ago. Um, so the plan and opportunities that uh, that are available for those with disabilities and trying to look after someone with a disability, um, the world's really changed. Um, but it's but it's complicated, and um, you know obviously lawyer not one is going to overcharge you, but a good lawyer you can trust, and a financial advisor you can in the right direction are, are actually absolutely pivotal. In the past, those with disabilities really did much wealth because you know whether they didn't have um, you know income earning um, or were just looked after by you know other family members with modest uh, you know now we're seeing those with disabilities either inheriting significant amounts of wealth through things like the RDSP accumulating a significant amount of wealth so your services that you provide to Canadians with with disabilities has grown in importance especially over the last few years helps us I appreciate that. Anything else? Uh, Bondo, you have any other comments? Good, good discussion. 
good uh, good description of it. Thank you. And by the way, one last point on the on the uh, Henson dress. So so as part of an estate plan, and you know you might be think your your kids um, are DSP. Um, you know you can do it up, and I'm not sure we touched on that lifetime limit of contributing. So there's a two hundred thousand dollar limit. Um, everything over and above two hundred thousand, you can say put into an Henson Trust, and that would ODSP benefits, or put all the money in the Henson Trust. And what we often see is that the trust uh, annual contributions to the RDSP from the trust, right? So the the RDSP, and that's yep. that's a great way from an estate planning perspective to the kids and and and, and part of your estate plan. So. Something to think about. Obviously, you know, want to, you know, have to meet with the experts here and talk about how to implement all this. But things that are available now that are so, so, so critical. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, and I apologize to, you know, you had to go through all those tech issues. I, uh, the kind of kind of sucks, but we really appreciated you coming on. Um, this is just over an hour, so it's a good little episode i hope uh people found this to be insightful at least and, and uh if you have any further questions you can see down at the bottom uh email us uh info at professionalinsights.ca um and keep the questions coming but other than uh, bondo if you want to take us out help us help you stay in out Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Hey, 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 hey. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. 